All right, we have a great episode of Side Retired, the MLB podcast coming at you guys today. He was on with us earlier this season, in which we said we hope we have an ALCS matchup between the Astros and the Yankees. Of course, that did indeed occur, but my co-hosts James and Luke are probably not hoping that that did occur. Let's hit the intro music and we will get right into this. Well, James, I will come to you first before we introduce Brett to our audience once again. James, how are you going to be feeling today as we are going to be interviewing the team that is going to the World Series where you guys will be joining and sitting on the couch watching this World Series? Uh, It's all right. I'm used to it at this point. Um, (laughs) It's the Hal Steinbrenner era. It's the Aaron Boone era. And it's it's the new Yankees era. So another year of watching teams (laughs) that are far and uh, above, above us, you know playing the game that, that we wish we could play in again. <laughs> and of course, we are joined by the Locked On Astros podcast host, Brett Chauncey. Brett, how are you doing today? It is the eve of the World Series. Technically, it'll be World Series Day by the time you guys are listening to this episode. Yeah, definitely. Just, I mean, we are feeling great here in, in Houston. It is, it has been quite a season for us. We we came into the season with high expectations, and I think we've checked off pretty much every box. And if you would have told me, that we were going to sweep a Mariners team who was very good and a Yankees team and Jose Altuve would go over his first 23, but then his three for his last nine. I think he's coming out of that slump just in time for the world series. I would have said, there's no way, but I was at ALDS game one and two. I was at ALCS game one and the electricity that this team has and the ability that this team has from beginning of the pitching to the end. I mean, there's really hard it's hard to find a crack in the slab in this Astros team except of course and I know Luke who's going to talk a little about what just happened between the Yankees and the Astros you're mentioning Luke a lot of different holes in that Yankee lineup a lot of holes in the Yankee rotation and bullpen I think Brett you sort of just alluded to it with this Astros team there's five maybe even six really dependable starting pitchers the back end of the rotation has at least three guys you can rely on for sure. And the lineup, one through nine, we're even seeing Martin Maldonado, who is not known for his offense, is actually performing. So what do you think is so special about this Astros team? Is it just that everyone is so one through 26 on this roster is contributing throughout this entire postseason? Yeah, definitely. I, I just really think that when one guy's not hitting, another guy is. You know, mm-hmm. last year in the World Series, we had Alex Bregman, who's basically playing with a broken hand. Yeah. We didn't have Verlander. We didn't have McCullers. And those guys are X factors. You know, McCullers now has a new lease on life. He's talking about how he sees life differently now. And I mean, for a guy in this stage of his career and to be throwing the way he is and for him to gain more confidence, that's dangerous. I mean, he's the guy you want on your team. And, you know, I would argue that we have seven starters, four aces, Mm -hmm. and we have three guys in our bullpen that could clearly close a game out. We've got well, actually four. We got Naris, we've got Montero, we've got Stanek, and we've got Presley. And Presley's a perfect nine for nine right now. This, what this team is doing, I mean, Chas McCormick, <laughs> Jeremy Pena, and like we can quit talking about this kid being a rookie because he's acting like a veteran out there. He is playing the role and he has stepped up because the clutch gene is what we were going to miss out of Correa. Correa leaving was like, crap, when we get to the playoffs, we won't have Correa's swag. We won't have his bat. Well, you know what? It's okay. 
You got Jeremy Pena. It's a nice replacement. And for about, I don't know, a tenth of the cost. Makes sense. And then obviously a guy like Justin Verlander, who you mentioned at the top of your rotation. Luke, when you look at this Yankees team versus this Astros team, it seems like Justin Verlander versus Carrot Cole was the big matchup that you guys wanted to look forward to. Garrett Cole obviously performed really well this playoff season. However, there is this weird tangent that Justin Verlander is 0 for 6 in the World Series. So, Luke, I'll go to you first as the Yankee fan, probably Astro hater on this call. Your thoughts on the Astros. Should they be worried about Justin Verlander's 0 for 6 in the World Series? And then obviously I assume Brett will follow that up with saying he is not worried about Justin Verlander at all. But Well, actually, I'm going to steal Brett's thunder because I'm not worried about Justin Verlander (laughs) either. He pits very well against the Yankees and granted it was a Yankees team the first time at least where we were coming off a weird scheduling thank you Robert Manfred combined with uh, a lot of rain delays and that made really made the bullpen tough like as a Yankees fan watching on the couch game one I was like all right we're gonna lose this game let's just if it's close at all in the seventh or the eighth then I'll start cheering and maybe getting excited but I, w- I already accepted that one as a loss just to the surrounding circumstances, but still he pits very well and he's pits very well all season. I think he's one of the front runners for Cy AL Cy Young for a reason. And I honestly expect him to continue that going into the world series where they'll definitely need it because I'll be honest, Phillies starting rotation and bullpen are much better than ours. So it's definitely going to be a much more competitive um, effort on the mounds. Yeah, definitely. When you look at Justin Verlander, he is over six, but, and this is some history here. The Astros, nor Justin Verlander, have won a game one of a World Series. I mean, the Astros are 0-4 in game ones in World Series. So if they win game one, this will be the first time that they've done it because I remember when the Braves took that game one and we were like, uh, what, what just happened? <laughs> the Braves, even all the Braves talking heads were saying, oh, Astros in five. And But I think if you look at and you dissect some of the games where Justin Verlander did not get the win, he – he either got the loss because of when he left, he didn't get the offensive production. And we've seen that throughout the season, but even when he gave up those runs, cause I was at that game. I mean, when it was seven to two Seattle, I was like, they just freaking knocked out our ACE. This is going to be a bad series. And then when Jose Altuve, I remember struck out in the ninth inning. I was like, when Jose Altuve strikes out in the ninth, you're like, okay, like as a Houstonian, you just lose hope. You're like, okay, well, well if, if Altuve <laughs> strike it out, no one's going to hit. And then you're like, but wait, we got this really tall guy from Cuba. His name's Jordan, and he can do some damage. You get your rookie gets on base, boom, hits a tank, three-run bomb. We go ahead. We win the game. The rest is history. But Justin Verlander, I'm not worried about him this time around because his approach, because he knows what is at hand, And he, just like all the other Astros, because he got here in 17, they won it. Um, And I'll mention something that Bregman said today to the press, um, because I went back and watched some of their interviews. But Justin Verlander's focus this year and his confidence in the guys coming in behind him, I think he's dangerous, and I think he's the perfect guy to come in and neutralize a a red-hot Bryce Harper. Mm -hmm. I mean, these Phillies, even though some of them don't have quote-unquote good averages – They're hitting three, four, and five home runs each. So they're crushing the ball. So the Astros just had to have the perfect counterpunch. Plate the pitches, make sure you get them out of the zone, get them swinging and stuff high, and neutralize that offense. And we can also, I mean, I myself have ranted to Dylan privately about the Yankees' plate approach 
in the entire series. But still, I think Verlander showed a lot of character in his game one start when he didn't get the best first through few innings and then suddenly started mowing down Yankee hitters. And that's the type of performance you want out of your ace. Even if they don't get the best jump out of the gate, you want them to be able to get the game back on track and put his team in a position to win. And that's why that's another reason why I'm not concerned about Verlander. But uh, Brett, as you're looking forward to the next series, you know, um, what do you, what is your biggest concern right now in facing the Phillies that are coming in? Is it, is it the bats? Is it the more advanced and better equipped bullpen than you guys have seen all playoffs? Yeah. I mean, yes, I do think in the first couple of games, the bullpen is a bit of an issue, especially if the starters and Nola and Wheeler can go, you know, because Wheeler's pretty much their ace. And, and I think on the show, I said that, that Aaron Nola was their ace. I think he's been their ace, but this year Wheeler's really their Mm -hmm. guy. And so they slotted him in game two. They didn't want to put him against Verlander because I think they're hoping to steal game one and then shock him with game two with Wheeler. The what I'm concerned about is the Phillies are good at situational hitting. Bryce Harper is hitting balls to the opposite field. When a player like Bryce Harper, who has pool power, who can crush a baseball, Kyle Schwarber just crushes. You know, Kyle Schwarber is just going to pull a ball to the right field upper deck if he can anytime. Bryce Harper is going to hit a two run double. You know, he doesn't have to hit a home run. He's he's matured. He's beyond that. And their situational hitting has been what has gotten them there. Because if you notice, the Padres pitchers, they held them the first few innings in a lot of those games. And what do they do? They scored late. That, I think, is a perfect counterpunch for the Astros. And where if they do put up zeros, I think our counterpunch in the bullpen is better than what they were offered from San Diego. So then this team has also really adjusted well. I think Michael Brantley was one of the key players at the beginning of the season. He's been gone for a large part of the season. Obviously, the trade deadline, I think we were even messaging back then. We were like, what are they going to do? They've got to get a bat. Maybe something interesting is going to happen. And I believe Trey Mancini was the big move for the Astros. They also acquired Christian Vasquez from the Red Sox. When that all happened, and now obviously, I think Vasquez even once sort of mentioned that he's a little frustrated with playing time, but... Um, it was an interesting situation there, as well as Mancini's now slotted in really well. And obviously, you're in the World Series right now, so trade deadline couldn't have been that disappointing, so to speak. But your thoughts on how the Astros have improved throughout this year, how the team might have changed a little bit. Obviously, Correa being gone was the big deal, but Jeremy Pena has stepped in really nicely, obviously, the ALCS MVP as well. But your thoughts on sort of this year's specific version of the Astros from the trade deadline onward and the new development of this team? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think a lot of people are disappointed in the overall production of Trey Mancini. I think when he first came here, you know, I think I was at his first game. He had a home run. Mm -hmm. Um, That was that was pretty awesome. I was there. I was like, yeah, boom, boom, Mancini. Like we were just like on the, you know, of course you do that now. Now everybody expects you to hit a home run every time you get Mm -hmm. up to bat like your Babe Ruth. Well, he kind of cooled off and Mm -hmm. I think in the beginning, his playing time was a little limited. Then they started putting him in more. And he, he just he just hasn't I don't know if it's a I don't know if it's a culture thing because I think he's the kind of guy that fits in anywhere, mm-hmm. but it's still different. It's still yeah. not the same. Christian Vasquez, I'll never forget. <laughs> he he already knew when so before he took the field with the Red Sox, he knew that he had been traded. Everybody, the false narrative was out there that he took BP and then the Red Sox said you're traded. He actually knew he was traded before that got permission from the coaches to go out, take BP and do one last time with this. But I think he was still like, 
okay, I knew I was coming to Houston, but I thought I was getting on the plane with the guys leaving with the Red Sox <laughs> because it was so close to the deadline. And so, and so, but Christian Vasquez has shown that he can hit, that he can come in and catch. You don't miss really anything. I mean, he's gunned down runners in the playoffs and he's done his job. I think Martin Maldonado, he comes in and if Martin gets on second base, what do you do? Like in the seventh inning, you put in Vasquez pinch run and then boom, if he gets a bat, that's a bonus. And then he's behind the plate. So you don't lose anything. So I think, I think that's very valuable. And Will Smith, who we've yet to see on a playoff roster, I assume will be on the World Series roster because he has faced Bryce Harper more than anybody um, in the playoffs. And he actually has six or seven strikeouts. And he said today, he said, Bryce Harper knows what I bring. I know what he brings. And so it's always a battle. And if I'm there on the roster, he said, I'll help out. But if not, we have right-handers that have done a great job against the lefties. So, I like the trade deadline moves because last year, I mean, we had we had issues. We had to shore up the bullpen. Center field was really kind of kind of this helter skelter thing. You know, Jose Siri left, started doing great for the Rays. You know, uh, Jake Myers came back. He went down. He came back. I think that shoulder injury was way worse than they let us on. And then Chas McCormick, Chas McCormick, who has become an, an a postseason hero. And there's a Chaz chomp now in Minute Maid Park that a guy that actually from the town that I live in, and we're going to have him on the show Sunday night, he started the Chaz chomp. And the last game he was at, he wore like an alligator suit. And the dude scored tickets to games one and two of the World Series. I'm like, I got to start a cheer next year. I don't know what I'm going to do. Maybe I'll do the Pena Papa. I don't know. You know, Maybe I'll do something. But, man, um, I like what the Ushers have done. I felt like they addressed their needs. And I'll, and I'll add this, and that's what makes it very curious about the ambiguity of what is going to happen with James Click. Mm-hmm. I like that. James, you got something for us? Yeah, uh, I guess my question would be, do you think there's, you know, I guess even more pressure now uh, than last year? I mean, you know, they obviously won 17. Uh, many people would say that's a tainted title. They were defeated by the NL East in 2019. They were defeated again by the NL East in 2021. They faced another NL East opponent here in 2022. I mean, obviously from not being an Astros fan, but it just seems like there, there's a lot of pressure on the team to, you know, finally get over the hump and and not be one and three in the World Series. And with, I guess, I'd still say it's safe to say this era of Astros team. Um, so, yeah, I mean, do, do you think that there's even more pressure this season uh, to – to get over the hump and, and win a second uh, title with this core. I think from the fans perspective, there's more pressure. But when I heard Lance today say, you know, we don't listen to the outside noise. We concern ourselves with our clubhouse and our family and our clubhouse is our family. And we have confidence in everybody in this clubhouse, no matter who gets put on the mound, no matter who's on the field, they're going to do their job. And Justin Verlander talks about how much he loves this group. Dusty Baker talks about how much he loves this group. And the guys are like, we got to win one for Dusty. And I don't think that the players, and I personally don't see any connection between the three teams. They are all in the same division. But there's absolutely no connection with them. Like, there's no, like, NLE's curse. I mean, last year's team was maimed. Now, the Braves were maimed, but they're four you know, free agent acquisitions. Those were the guys that really shined for them. And then of course, Will Smith, who's now an Astro, but I honestly, 
surprisingly, I don't think there's actually more pressure on them because they've been here. They've lost the last two times. And so if everybody expects you to come here and lose, like, well, you haven't, you, you won one home game in the world series. Like, you know, in your career, I was at the one game, game two last year, I took my son and I I just don't see it. Like, I think from a press perspective, from a fan's perspective, I know like a fan, like, oh my gosh, we got to win. Like, <laughs> but the players, it's, I think it's the exact opposite. I think, and because they're so calm, cool, and collect, I think the pressure's now on Philly because you're the underdog. Hey, if you're an NLE's team and you can't defeat the Astros, then what's wrong with your team? Because you are hot coming in. <laughs> so I think I'm going to flip it. I think the pressure's on them. Because everybody's expecting, I mean, have you seen the maps? Have you seen mm-hmm. the Google maps? It's like, <laughs> guys, it is H-Town versus everyone. We totally live that mantra. I mean, my guys at Apollo HOU, they, they made those shirts. You know, Lance wears them all. You know, all the guys wear their shirts. And, I mean, they've really taken it on. And I think because they've taken ownership of who they are, they don't get ahead of themselves. They don't guarantee wins. They don't say we're going to kick somebody's ass. I mean, they don't. They don't, they don't, they just go and play. They put their nose to the grindstone. But I love this because we got Aaron Nola, former LSU Tiger. Um, Alex Bregman, LSU Tiger. I watched both of these kids pitch. I lived in Louisiana for two years. It was the two years they were both at LSU. I love this. I mean, I, I think the storylines are great. Baker used to manage Harper. Um, you know, Baker's going for his first title. Baker has won more playoff games than any manager in recent history. I mean, <laughs> the storyline in the, I mean, you can make five or six movies from this one world series. Absolutely. You touched a little bit on dusty Baker and how the players seem to really want to win it for him. And you've said also that, you know, the last three Astro world series teams have been completely different. So walk us through, at least in your opinion, the impact dusty Baker has made on the Astros squad. Like where do you see his touch in this particular team? And do you think that, his managerial style will be enough to help you guys overcome Philly. Yeah, definitely. Now, if you would have taken me out of this year and asked me this question in 2021, I would have said, you know, I, I just sometimes Dusty makes moves that I'm not sure of. But you cannot argue that this year he has put on a master class. I think losing all those World Series has actually helped him has actually been a positive, and he has made moves. Now, he has the arms. He has an army of shutdown guys. I mean, 30, like, what, 33 or 34 innings and only, like, three or four runs over seven games with a bullpen? That is absolutely bonkers, right? But Dusty Baker, we, we talked to Clay Hensley quite often. Um, he actually won a World Series with the Giants that wasn't a Dusty Baker team, but he played under Dusty Baker. He played with the Padres, the Marlins. He played with the Giants. And he said Dusty is the ultimate player manager. And even when I heard from Joey Luperfito, uh, the seventh-round pick two years ago from the Astros, kid from Duke, great kid, he said when he was at spring training, um, Dusty Baker said, hey, kid, what position do you play? He said, I play center field. He goes, all right, you're going to right field. (laughs) So he went to right field. And Joey said it was like seventh or eighth inning, and he got a screaming ball hit towards him, and it kept tailing away from him. And he said, I'm not going to drop this ball because if I do, (laughs) Dusty's going to tell me I'm a right fielder. He dove, laid out, caught it. When he came back in, he goes, 
gosh darn it, kid, you are a center fielder. <laughs> and that next day he came to his locker and Dusty, because he knew his last name, Luperfino, was Italian. He got him all this Italian stuff and put it into his locker. And that's the kind of person he is. And that's why I think a lot of people have bought into it because people have been hypercritical. You know, he's playing with the lineup. He's doing this, he's doing that. And actually, A.J. Hinch had more alternating lineups or more alternate lineups than Dusty Baker. I think I think um, his last year here, I think Hinch had like 130 different lineups. Or so. it, was, it was insane. But Dusty Baker knows how to get in the players' heads. He knows how to how and when to pull a pitcher. And his guys know that he has confidence in them, no matter what they're doing, good or bad. And I said before the playoffs started on Locked on Astros, the X factor for the Astros is Dusty Baker. And that's it. I like it. And then the other guy that is not on the field that has a huge impact on this team, and we did name drop him earlier this episode, that's indeed James Click. And I... Earlier this month, there was, I think, a John Heyman article that said everything's not perfect in Astroland. And I made the bold prediction at the beginning of the playoffs. And I'll admit I was definitely wrong. I said the Astros, if they have an early exit, James Click is going to be gone. I think his contract's up at the end of the season. And that seemed like a perfect way to say early exit, refresh, get rid of James Click. And that's how you're going to go about it. Now you're in the World Series. And I know teams have definitely fired managers, coaches, GMs before after you make a deep run. Look no further than Luke and James. Your Yankees fired Joe Girardi after being, what was it, a game away from being in the World Series with a team that you didn't expect to go that far. However, it does seem in the rumor is still going out there that James Click might be gone from the Astros, even if you guys are currently in the World Series. I don't know if, if you win it, that might change things, but... What's the sense you're getting with James Click, and how is this a guy that's led your team to multiple ALCS and World Series appearances, and he's not a sure thing to say for some reason? Yeah, it is. It is one of those. It is one of those weird things where the Astros do a good job of keeping things under wrap, mm -hmm. and I just really don't know where they would go if they didn't get him. There is a guy, and I'm sitting here looking up the Baltimore Orioles front office. There is a guy, I think that's the assistant GM. Um, he, gosh, I cannot remember his name to save my life. Um, you guys may want to help me. He's the assistant GM in Baltimore. He's got connections with the Astros, kind of. You know, they've got they they've got Elias out there. Mm -hmm. Um, because we lost um, you know, we lost Pete Patilla to the to the San Francisco Giants. We just lost Oz Campo, Oz Ocampo, who was the guy who discovered Javier Garcia um, mm -hmm. and Urquidy and Valdez. Um, you know, dude, I don't know. Like, if he's gone, my question is who we're going to replace him with. Like, who's out there that's better? And if it's the guy from the Orioles, I, I would be fine with it. Yeah, I, I believe just, his I, name is Sig Medjaw. I think that's how you say it. There you go, Sig. Yeah, I, I just yeah. could not. I did not want to butcher his name. <laughs> But but you know what's interesting about Oz Oz Ocampo and how the Astros found Framber Valdez. If I could tell you about a forty five second story, yeah. when they when they were when they usually look at pitchers, they usually look at like six to seven pitchers. Well, a lot of times it turns into ten or thirteen, and then in those ten or thirteen, you have someone that you kind of owe a favor to, mm -hmm. and so sometimes they'll come along and say, "Hey, I want you to come look at my guy." Well, this one scout comes up to him and says, Hey, I need you to come look at this guy. And they're like, Okay, cool. Where is he? They're like, Well, we got to drive 40. We got to drive like 40 minutes away. Like, Well, you know, it's getting dark. They're like, 
it's okay. We got a place. He's, he's pitching right now. He's ready to show you his stuff. They drive out to a field and it's lit by car headlights. Okay. <laughs> it's not even lit. I mean, this is like movie stuff, right? It's lit by car headlights. Framber throws a fastball. They're like, okay, cool. All right. Um, we'll get back with you. We'll, we'll let you know. And then Framber throws one of his hooks. There's a curveball. And the Astro Scout says, do that again. He threw a curveball. He said, do that again. And they were like, wow. And that <laughs> is how Framber Valdez became a Houston Astro. He threw his hook, and they were like, this guy has got it. And he has really become one of our aces, one of our leaders on this team. You know, they wear the blue alternate jersey on the days he pitches because that's his favorite jersey. He doesn't wear any other jersey, so he dictates that. That that guy has command. And another special thing about this team that y'all may not know, whenever one of Luis Garcia, Framber Valdez, Christian Javier, or Jose Arquiti go out and warm up in the bullpen, the other three or four right there behind him mm-hmm. pitching or watching them pitch. And what was very cool was when 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 Hunter Brown made his major league debut, all those pitchers went out and stood behind them and watched them pitch like they do for the other guys. And that was almost them putting their stamp of approval. Hunter Brown, he's our guy. And that is what separates, I think, the Astros from everybody else this year. And it looks like a good team camaraderie, team chemistry, everyone coming together. I know two loose ends I will tie up. David Stearns was from the Astros organization initially. I know today it came out he was stepping down as president of baseball operations as the Brewers guy. Any chance you think a reunion could happen there, or is it seems like he's going to be happy staying in his advisory role with the Brewers and maybe not going back into the nitty-gritty of running a team? See, I just don't see how Stearns is an upgrade. Like, if mm-hmm. you're going to get rid of Click, yeah. Like, like if you're going to get rid of the guy that has the resume and he has the experience, why would you then go to a guy that needs to build the resume yeah. and the experience? I mean, the Brewers are a good organization. I mean, the Brewers have disappointed more than they've more than they should have. I think the I think people had the Brewers in the World Series last year, you know. <laughs> And um, they just keep coming up just short, you know. And, and so I don't know if if Stearns comes here. I, I just, it is really, it's a mystery, guys. It is, mm-hmm. it is like everybody's scratching their head. What are they doing? But James Click has got to know something because, I mean, he's business as usual. You know, yeah. he's like, hey, we're we're focused on the World Series. If you win a World Series this year, like why? Why are you gonna get rid of them? I mean, give them, give you know what? Give him a two year, two or three year contract. Don't give him a long contract. Give him a two or three year contract. Give him his vittles. Give him, get him what he deserves, and then maybe someone else will emerge, and you move on from there. I like. And then the other thing, and James and Luke are probably not gonna like me saying this, but I see behind you a Mark McGuire jersey, and that got me thinking about the steroid era and the home run chase that we just saw with Aaron Judge, <laughs> and I know. The now official American League record is Aaron Judge's home run chase. And I believe there's some people, including someone on this Zoom call, that says that that's the official home run record and he's the all-time home run king. However, Mark McGuire in the steroid jersey right behind you, can you confirm that Barry Bonds is indeed still the all-time home run king? <laughs> well, look, here, here's the deal. Um, this, this is my defense of the steroid guys because – the Yankees won a few championships with steroid users too, mm-hmm. pitchers and hitters. 
Um, back then, pitchers and hitters were all were all using. Major League Baseball didn't give two craps about it because it was growing the game. It was only when grandstanding politicians got a hold of it and made it an issue, and they were going for they were going for broke. They were going to they were trying to embarrass these players. I think until Major League Baseball puts an puts an asterisk on those players and not just keeping them out of the Hall of Fame, they're obviously the record holders. But what someone like Aaron Judge did with 62 home runs in New York, one of the toughest cities to play in. I mean, he's absolutely the American League home run king, I would think, because I believe Mark McGuire did all his stuff in a Cardinals jersey, so that'd be National mm-hmm. League. But I think that's up for debate. I think if someone tells me that Barry Bonds is the guy, okay, he's your guy. If someone tells me Aaron Judge is your guy, okay, he's your guy. At the end of the day, you have to look at the era. Now, Now, if it was found out that all these hitters were doing these roids and they were the only ones and the pitchers weren't doing anything, then you got an uneven playing field. But mm-hmm. you, but also go back. Those guys did this at a price. Go back and look at rotator cuff injuries. Go back and look at how injuries spiked. You know, um, look at stories like Ken Kim and Eddie. I mean, look at stories of the guys that hit 220 and only eight home runs. You know, I, I mean, it did change baseball. I mean, Luis Gonzalez became a home run hitter. What? <laughs> like, really? Steve Finley hitting 48, 50 home runs. Like, oh, come on, come on, guys. Like, this is <laughs> it, it. It did alter. And I'll just say this. The sad thing about Barry Bonds using the steroids is I think he already had a negative perception of the media because of the way he treated people, number one. Number two, he was older, he was declining, and his ego got in his way. And that's why I think he started using because he is probably the most gifted and most talented player that we've seen, I know, of my generation growing up. Outside of Albert Pujols, I can't think of a greater hitter that I watched growing up. And it's a shame that he's tainted by that. It's a shame that McGuire's tainted by that, but he's always my guy. That jersey I have back there, I actually have the jersey signed. I got it signed in 1998 in the Astrodome, the same game that he hit the 11th upper deck home run in Astrodome history. And the program that is in the frame is from Minute Maid Park. That was Enron Field at the time. It says Enron Field. Mark McGuire signed it. He hit a home run to center field over Towles Hill around the foul pole <laughs> that used to be in the middle of center field. So that program right there is literally the first program they issued to fans the first month it was open. And it says Enron field. So you got Enron and Mark <laughs> McGuire, two big scandals of that era. But all that right there is probably my, my Holy grail. of my collection. <laughs> We'd like to see, and hopefully a 2022 world series championship replica ring will be added to there. At some point yes. as well. Oh, I've got, I've got, so hopefully, those, I've, got, I've, hopefully. Got, I've got some rings back there. <laughs> oh no. Here's the thing. I think they get it done guys. Mm. Um, I, I don't, I don't think they sweep them. I think it goes to six games. It may go to seven games, but if it comes back for six and seven, there's no way the Astros lose both of those games at yep. all. Um, they absolutely have to steal one. I think it's, if the Astros go up three Oh, if they mm-hmm. win the first three games, I think Philly wins that game four. But I really think if the Astros go up 2-0, the Phillies win three. I think I think the Astros win four. I think the Phillies win five. And they come back, and you have the Astros can possibly clinch at home. I kind of want them to clinch because I got tickets to game six. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. And Philly is obviously a very rowdy sports environment. The fans there get electric. Yeah. But, James, you and Brett both know that 
Houston is very electric as well. The fans will get into it. The train will be going. The roof will be closed to Aaron Boone's avail. I think that's definitely an intrude. Look at that. We I avoided that was definitely the dumbest excuse out of the last out of the trilogy of Yankees <laughs> Astros series. That was definitely the worst one that we proposed. That that was just terrible. Well, like well, look, here's the deal. I told someone this. I understand, like, if you're if you're in the clubhouse talking about it, or if you want to send a letter to the commissioner, right? But to say it publicly, yeah. and not just you, but um I think it was Ishigawa said something. And then I believe um, Severino said something about mm-hmm. it too. Right. And I was just like, guys, that's, that's such a bad look. You you don't make excuses. Like, mm-hmm. you, and so, but I will say this Phillies fans, you did the chant. You said, we want Houston. <laughs> Guess what? We're back. <laughs> I love to hear it. And James, Luke, I assume you guys are both going Houston or Phillies in this series. Obviously, you see what I have on my jersey right here in front of me. It's Justin Verlander on the back. I hope he's a Met, you know, in a year now, but I doubt that's going to happen. But (laughs) Dylan, all you do is just pick the best player in the MLB right now and just say, oh, he's going to be a Met and just wait on everyone else to get pissed off. (laughs) Well, I hope for now, I hope Justin Verlander goes out there and dominates Philly because the Mets fan were supposed to hate the city of Philadelphia and Phillies fans. So I think Brett and I are allied for this upcoming week, and I bet Luke and James would like nothing better than for Houston to get crushed by Aaron Nola and Zach Wheeler. Although maybe this conversation proved to you guys there are nice Astros fans out there. This is not all hostile Yankees Astros. We had a lot of fun. And Luke, James, unless there's anything else you guys want to throw in there, make sure to go check out Locked on Astros. Brett is on there every day, I believe, Monday through Friday. I think I have it correctly. Yeah. Yes, sir. Awesome. And then obviously you guys had Roflo Robert Flores from MLB Network. So make sure to check out their interview with him as well on there recently. And definitely a lot of World Series Astros content, Phillies crossover. That's a great podcast to go check out if you guys haven't yet. But Brett, unless there's anything else you want to throw in, had a lot of fun with you today. Yeah, man. You know, dude, I appreciate it. I appreciate you guys having me on. You guys have a killer podcast. Keep crushing it. You know, anytime you need me. Let me know. I mean, I can I can talk about other teams other than the Astros, but you know, right now we are truly in the golden era. And I'll close with this. I really think our championship window is open through 2027. I just don't I don't see it closing. Mm-hmm. Um, if it ends before that, it's it, it's been a great run. But Alex Bregman has literally been to a league championship series every year of his career. That's insane. I would just like to make one championship series, which we haven't made since 2015 and before then since 2006. My goodness. But of course, Luke, James and Jack will be back as always. And Brett, thank you so much for hopping on with us for in today's edition of Side Retired, the MLB podcast.